The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, bullying in the workplace can range from verbal to social bullying. It can often leave the victim feeling anxious and angry and humiliated. Uh, Certain types of bullying can be hard to identify and even harder to know how to address. But the thing to know is all bullying in the workplace is illegal and employers and employees have a duty by law to provide a safe and healthy work environment. Now, joining me to talk about all of this is Julie Galbraith, partner in employment law at the global law firm Evershed Sutherland. And we're also joined by the chair of the communications clinic, Terry Prone. Good morning and welcome. Uh, First of all, uh, Julie, it is against the law. How is that law defined? So there's a a very legal definition of bullying. So I'll give you that first and then we can break it down. So the definition in our courts is that bullying is repeated inappropriate behaviour at the place of work or connected to the place of work, which could reasonably be regarded as undermining the individual's right to dignity at work. So that's what our courts say. Now, what does that mean? It means that bullying can't be a one-off incident. So it can't be one time where someone had a row with a colleague and they felt very vulnerable afterwards. That's not bullying. So it must be repeated and it must be inappropriate behaviour. Now, inappropriate is a very hard definition because what I may think is inappropriate might be very different to what Terry or you think is inappropriate. But the courts say it's objective. So it's a reasonable person deciding mm. what I'm always is worried about the word reasonable when it <laughs> yeah. comes into the law. Yeah. What reasonably might be, in a, be expected. Um, and that's a, that's a problem. That's the grey area, isn't it? Yeah, and that's really for... First, the the HR manager, the employer to consider the conduct. And then ultimately, if a case like this ends up in court, it's for the judges to consider what's reasonable and what's objective. Mm. What court does it end up in? Does it uh, end up in a proper court of law? Oh, they're all proper courts. (laughs) No, no, but I mean, the Workplace Relations Committee is a different kind of thing to the 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 district or the circuit court. You're right. It's a really good question. So the... It depends on how the case arises. So a bullying complaint can lead to a personal injury. Now, that has to be more than stress at work. That must be a psychiatric or a psychological injury that is a physical injury. So that's depression. It's a clinical assessment from a doctor. Once that happens, that becomes a personal injuries case. And that can be brought to the circuit court, the high court, appeal to the court of appeal, appeal to the Supreme Court. And one of the big cases in this is one called Roughly. It's a school case and that's currently with the Supreme Court. On the other hand, the WRC does consider these kind of cases when bullying happens in the workplace and someone feels so unsupported by their employer that they feel they've no option but to leave their employment. So this is constructive dismissal. That's saying constructive dismissal. But, you know, a WRC claim could be the easier claim for an employee to bring because the standards are much lower, but it could still lead to a very high award. So the WRC can award up to two years remuneration with the salary plus benefits in a scenario like this or up to five years if there's any element of a protected disclosure or a whistleblowing connected to the bullying. So that's not to be hmm. laughed at either. Okay, so suppose you, you end up in the courts proper, as I'll put it. What's the sentence? What's the max you can get? It varies on your injury. So if you bring a claim to the the circuit court, I think the current jurisdiction is up to 60,000 or after that you can bring it to the high court depending on your illness. So if you have suffered an illness, you've been out of work, you'll have loss of earnings, you'll have medical expenses and your illness itself may have a certain value. So the... So it's monetary. You can't end up in jail. 
no, the employer can't end up in jail. They could be vicariously liable. They could have a very difficult judgment out in the media against them. But it, it's all, it all comes down to a monetary piece for the employee. Um, just uh, before I go to Terry, just w- one final thing uh, where someone is feeling terrible stress and they feel it's brought on by the boss uh, and therefore they take a case. And the boss says, listen, you weren't up to the job. That's why you were so stressed. I mean, if, you know, you came in eyes wide open to this job, you knew that you were going to be talking to the New York Stock Exchange at, you know, nine o'clock at night and that you were going to have to take calls from people, even though you've got a young family. That's the job. And you're stressed and you're complaining about being bullied. I'm sorry, you're just not up to it. Is that a defence? That is a defence in the sense that the courts would say reasonable management is not bullying. And actually, there's a case very similar to those facts that you're you're explaining. There's one called McGrath and Trinitech that was in the superior courts, as, as we'll say, rather than the WRC. And that was where an employee was seconded to Uruguay working with a big tech multinational company, very stressful. Lots of crises happened whilst he was in Uruguay. He had a very poor relationship with his boss. He came back to Ireland and went out on sick leave. Now, Judge Lafoy in the High Court here held that wasn't bullying. So on one hand, the company had no reasonable foreseeability that he was suffering, that he was unwell. He wasn't on sick leave. He didn't say he was stressed. And then to your point, Pat, she said that was the culture almost of the workplace. It was a big American multinational. They worked hard. They play hard. Everyone was deemed to be accustomed to that. Now, that's what the courts would say. But then I think Terry might talk about this, but I would be much more concerned about how that actually affects the people in the workplace and how that leads to a very difficult workplace culture, which can impact on your morale, on your productivity. It goes much further than the actual personal injuries that might be involved. Okay, Terry, what is your uh, take on this? I mean, there is a distinction between uh, harassment and bullying, you know, where people are on at someone all the time, but it's not necessarily bullying, but it's, it's annoying and it may well be an HR matter. I think there's two things here. First is the thing that was already mentioned, the repetitive nature of the attacks. But the second thing is that this has changed radically. When If everyone is getting the same treatment, can that be seen as bullying? We're all victims of this guy's harangue. It can be, yeah, because it, it wouldn't be discriminatory because, as you say, he's an equal opportunity, but it could still be bullying. Yeah, it's still inappropriate, repetitive behaviour. I don't honestly think that an organisation like RT would now continue to employ this man, even though he was adored and he was a fabulous news editor, because that level of... Be- shouting, that level of phone breaking is simply not in the context anymore. It has changed. I would find, however, that particularly, although not exclusively with women, they will come to me to say, look, um, I, I heard you on the radio and you said nobody should ever cry in the workplace. I'm ashamed. I've cried twice in the last while. And I say, why did you cry? And they then tell me a story of often... A new boss, not a boss that they're familiar Mm. with, but a new boss who's come in and who is telling them they're incompetent, they're not delivering, they're always this, they're always that. And in many cases, they simply want to get out of the situation and go and cry somewhere or they end up crying in front of him, in which case if it's a him or a her, the, the person will say, oh, listen, there's no talking to you. I mean, they're crying. And I have to start with them by saying, OK, this person accused you of X and Y and Z. And they start to cry again. And I said, no, no, no. Um, did you actually ask the person for specific examples of where you failed? 
because that moves it from general abuse into something that you can do something about. Next, I remember telling one woman, the next time you, you're called in to meet this boss, bring a notepad with you. And the minute he starts with this lark, say, OK, could you give me a specific example of this? And what was very interesting was that when she brought the notebook and opened it up, the guy immediately said, what are you doing making notes? And she said, well, I'm trying to improve my performance. And he said, we leave it there. And there was no more of it. I mean, could you uh, take out your smartphone and say, I'm just recording this because I... I <laughs> Same thing, you know, it's just modern technology. I I'm just going to, you uh, tell me the legal issue. Yeah, a lot of companies would have a policy that would say you can't record work conversations. And in fairness, it comes back to lots of issues like there's cultural things for people where they wouldn't want to be recorded or have their image taken in the workplace. And it would lead to loads of data protection considerations like who's processing that data, who's storing it. But I think the notebook idea is a really good one. Like just make your own notes as you go. Yeah. Now, the, the, the big thing is people think I'll go to HR. Mm-hmm. But there is an impression since the HR people are employed by the company, they are a creature of the boss, not a creature of the staff. What say you, Terry? I would say that is untrue. I would say that um, the larger the organisation, oddly, the less likely bullying is to happen because most of the major multinationals have explicit, articulated policies that their executives must abide by. And so if you're my boss, Pat, and I feel you're being, to use your own word, unreasonable, then I will go to HR, I'll give them examples and the general rule is that HR will go back to you, unless they're truly terrified of you, um, and say, listen, you need to get a grip of this before we start an investigation. Or they may actually have protocols that require them to do an investigation immediately. So, no, that would be a misunderstanding that HR are the tools only of management. Now, what about... Uh almost invisible bullying. For example, you've got a few perks. There might be things like uh, uh, meetings you have to go to in far-flung foreign countries, which are not really very arduous. And if you're single and young and so on, it may be just the thing you'd like. If you're married with 10 kids, it may also be the thing you like, but you might not want to go there because uh, time does not permit. But those opportunities being given or not being given, like... Julie always gets those gigs. She's the one who always gets to go to Spain or France or Portugal, uh, and I never get to go. Is that bullying? And I have two young children. I'd happily go to Portugal at the top of the hat. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It could be bullying, yes. So, uh, And it, it can be bullying in your head, but maybe not bullying in the eyes of the company. The yeah. And, you know, Terry's right. The bigger the company, the more procedural steps will be there. So, for instance, on that one exactly, is there a policy on company trips? Is there a policy on how these things happen? The smaller to the medium companies is where we would see most trouble from our clients because the policies aren't there. The managers are not as experienced. The owner is the HR manager. He or she isn't as experienced. And then you will have scenarios where people will come and say, I feel very uncomfortable. So... Back to Terry's point, I would start making a note of those things. So, you know, actually assess the evidence. So you feel vulnerable, you feel undermined, you feel bullied. 
but write that out. So what's the evidence of that? Write down what has happened, who has gone, have you been asked, have you refused once, has a manager assumed that you can't go and then have those conversations with the manager first and then HR. So the conversations with the manager is to say, you know, I'd really like to go on the next business trip, this is what I can add. And then if that doesn't happen, that's... Yeah. And then you can have the opposite where the, the, the jobs that nobody wants to do get right. are given to you because, and the manager will say, but you did it so well the last time. <laughs> I'd like you to do it again, Terry. But there's another thing, which is that um, very often I find managers, particularly in smallish companies, particularly companies they've started themselves, um, they simply don't have the capacity to think from the point of view of the employee. And so they start doing things, quite subtle things that they don't realise are offensive, like not meeting the person's eyes because they have decided you're a dead weight. I'm not going to even talk to you. Or if I do, I'll just sit there and look at you. But I, I, I won't really engage mm. with you. And that can be extremely demeaning, especially if it's done in front of other people. The kind of abuse that, for example, um, Robert De Niro seems to engage in, where he calls, says somebody is acting like a little bitch, that they are um, snippy and petulant and behaving like a spoiled brat. I don't see many instances of that. It's not terribly mm. obvious, the bullying that you see. The, the, the victim of Robert De Niro was getting 300 grand a year, by the way, just <laughs> it would for, make it for her pains. bearable for a longer time. But the other thing that's interesting that you say that, Pat, because I, um, Eversheds will forgive me, but I am always saying to people, don't start with the law. Don't go quickly to the lawyers because... Even if you got the 60,000 in the Workplace Relations Commission, there's two things. One is the possibility of bad personal publicity and the other is explaining to a future employer the gap in your CV yeah. and why it happened and why you don't have a reference and all of those sort of things. Uh, some of the comments and questions that are coming in. Uh, I was a full-time firefighter for 25 years. My dream job turned into a nightmare soon after I joined due to the bully boy culture within the brigade. It was prevalent mostly from the top down to the staff, jealous and vindictive. Uh, and people who were not five firefighters, but being office staff, were the worst. It's a toxic culture in the fire service that has quietly ruined the lives of many a frontline dedicated firefighter. Uh, another one, I raised a complaint against bullying in my workplace. My manager sat on my complaint for almost five months, repeatedly telling me HR had not responded. I then emailed HR directly and they spent a further six months trying to downplay my complaint. I still haven't had a result 11 months on and the supervisor who caused the bullying is still free to continue harassing me. Management have given him all the correspondence from me, uh, both to HR and management, and he continued to make comments relating to my complaint, stating the job won't won't take any actions towards him. I mean, that's the, when HR start passing around your what that's, you imagine to be private correspondence. That there's something is very wrong in that. That's company. when you do go to the lawyers. Absolutely. By the way, Pat, your earlier comment there from somebody who's a firefighter. I don't know if that person is a woman. But one of the problems that you do find. I don't think 25 years ago there would have been many female frontline uh, firefighters, so point. we can presume it's a male. But you do find, I actually met somebody on the beach recently who complained bitterly to me about firefighter. She had become a firefighter several years ago 
and found the culture very male. That's a reality. Look, the guards for a long time, um, firefighters more recently, it has been a male-dominated profession. Mm. And so you have behaviours and assumptions that to a newcomer and a female feel like bullying. Yeah, you know the the pinups that they used to typically have in these kind of yeah. male environments in a, a garage or, or whatever, the firefighters regularly pose uh, sort of topless and showing their biceps and, and their triceps. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, would they be offensive to females coming into the firefighting workplace? Anyway, that's uh, neither here nor there. Bullying in the workplace is one of the most difficult things to prove as very few will come forward as witnesses choosing to keep their heads down and their mouths shut. Some bullies wear the charge as a badge of honour as to how well they're doing their job. Yeah, and that's true. And it's very much so connected to the, the second um, message you read out where the person feels that the work is not taking this seriously. I would echo Terry's point about not going to the lawyers too early, but I would say it's good to get advice. So for someone like that, it's very good to have a call with a solicitor or a HR person for themselves to say, you know, what can I do and what can't I do? Because as I said at the outset, a bullying personal injuries complaint or even a constructive dismissal complaint, they're probably one of the harder complaints for an employee to be successful with. And I think an employee's job is really important to them. So after our families, our work is the place where we spend most of our time. And it's really important to enjoy that work. So what I would say sometimes is try not to get stuck in a bullying scenario. So do look look at other opportunities, look beyond the workplace. And a lot of employees will say, well, why do I have to be the one that moves? Because it is impacting on you the most. So we can't change all organisations. We may want to, but don't stay there if it's not working. I mean, you can be bullied by people at the same level as you. It doesn't always have to be the boss. But this one says uh, it isn't always bosses that bully the staff, sometimes the other way around. I joined a company as a head of a department. I got the job over an internal candidate. For the next few months, I was subject to constant and remorseless bullying by that individual and one of her sidekicks. Unfortunately, uh, they were the only two who knew how the systems and processes worked, so we simply could not get rid of them. But I was lucky that I was at the level where I had plenty of other options, so I left for a better role and I never looked back. And another one, bullying in the workplace. I worked in a hotel for 10 years. We got a new GM whose reputation preceded her. She was a total bully, got rid of a lot of the staff she inherited by constantly getting onto them. She's now hired in family members in the hotel. And this from a hotel run by a well-established hotel operator. Total bullying tactics. People have different ways of doing it, don't they, Terry? Oh, they do. And also, every now and again, I would come across a company where the attitude is, let them go to law, let them make a complaint. It'll be a year and a half salary, well worth it to get rid of them. And in that situation, I'm looking at the the person, the employee and thinking, do you know something? You would be better off going because you can't change this. Yeah, go now. Keep your reputation intact, don't put yourself through the stress of the Workplace Relations Committee or whatever it might be, or indeed a court. Life is not worth it. It's just not worth living under people like that. Yes. And at the moment when you have practically full employment, you very rarely have to stay in a toxic workplace. You can move on.
So before the next recession, get out while the going is good. What say you, Julie? Yeah, I'd agree. Like I've been in employment law since 2009 and I would see a huge difference now than what it was at the outset. Like employers really have moved on. They have great dignity at work policies. They have good anti-bullying. They do training. The type of behaviour that we're talking about in your firefighter, it's just not acceptable anymore. Ireland has changed around us. There's things that are happening that aren't acceptable. Yeah. So complain take advice, move on yeah. and be and when, when you look at uh, big tech companies in America and elsewhere, they've got rid of people at the highest levels mm. for yeah. wrongdoing. Right. So the bosses, being a boss does not protect you. No, it if doesn't. You if you've got a decent board and something gets properly escalated, a boss can lose their job. All right. Julie Galbraith, a partner in employment law at the global law firm Evershed Sutherland and Terry Prone, uh, chairman of the Communications Clinic and, of course, author recently <laughs> reading her great book. Uh, Terry, thank you very much for joining. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.